This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. A little Saturday episode we got here after uh, some news broke. I think, Sean, was it within 15 minutes after we finished our mailbag episode yesterday? Uh, I was actually uploading the mailbag episode as it happened, and I was like, wow, had this happened you know, 10 minutes sooner, we could have at least added it, but we're going to get to it. So you texted me this morning and said, hey, let's record an episode about the quarterback room, and I think it's a great idea. So Kentucky landed Will Levis, a transfer quarterback from Penn State. So, Derek, the the quarterback room, it, it gets some experience. Not a, not a ton, but at least it has some experience now, and it has another option for Liam Cohen's offense in the first year. And if you look at highlight tapes – uh, a flick of the wrist, the kid can sling the football. Yeah, he's a guy, Levis actually interesting because he popped up on my feed um, before he even went into the portal, before I even knew who he was. But I'd, I'd seen the video that made the rounds on the internet of him, uh, his crazy arm strength. You yeah. can go to his Twitter page and find that pretty easy. But um, Levis is a guy that I was told about – it's actually the day before he went into the portal, which maybe it was just a coincidence. I'm not sure. But he was someone to, to watch, uh, most likely, had he gone into the portal. And I, I thought he was a guy to watch for the spring. I thought he would finish his degree at Penn State, practice there this spring. But as is, he uh, is going to finish classes virtually at Penn State this semester. So he will still not be in Lexington for spring practice. But Levis is a guy that uh, Liam Cohen was familiar with all the way back to his time when he was the offensive coordinator at Maine. So those two have been following each other on Twitter for a long time. I believe I mentioned that in the recent episode when we talked about Levis. Um, really interesting prospect to add, Sean, because it's a guy who was a backup at Penn State. He did start two games. He started the season finale against Rutgers in 2019. And then last year, uh, 2020, if anybody was familiar with Penn State, they had an awful start to the season. I believe they started 0-5. He got in against Nebraska. And you can actually find the full, uh, full. I say clips of that game. It's like a forty. Basically, the whole game has been condensed to forty minutes, but it's more or less every single snap. And I would actually recommend Kentucky fans going to watch that because it's going to be the best, uh, kind of best evidence you can have for him because he threw the ball over thirty times. But you can also watch Wandell. So <laughs> Kentucky actually had two guys now in that game who will be on next year's roster. And he, he kind of fits what Kentucky does offensively, too, in the past, you know, with some of their, their the options right. being able to run with their legs, too. Like, when you look at his stats, he carried it in that game against Nebraska 18 times for 61 yards. 
I mean, it's he, not blowing you away, but at least it's an option to make a play with your feet. Yeah, so he was basically – I talked to our Penn State rider at 24-7, and he was kind of telling me how he was used in a bit of an odd way. He, he described it as kind of being used like a fullback. I mean, he kind of was just like a battering ram last year. And that's why it's kind of hard for me to even take away anything that Levis did last season. Obviously, Penn State liked his athleticism enough. They liked the kind of element he could bring. I mean, honestly, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like how Joey Gatewood was at Auburn in the way that he was used as kind of a change of pace type guy. Um, he did he did get more reps. He, he completed more passes, attempted more passes than Gatewood has in his career. Um I guess, Sean, one of the elements I wanted to talk about with this is just how interesting of a wrinkle it is that, and maybe you'll see more of this with the transfer portal, but we've got a scenario now where, you know, Cohen is inheriting Allen and he's inheriting Gatewood and those other guys too who are in the room who would probably, as of right now, you wouldn't think would have much of a shot to win the job. But you got this wrinkle that, Maybe someone I would like put as a slight favorite to win the job is not even going to be here in the spring. So I would say that's a pretty big advantage for Joey Gatewood and for Bo Allen that they will at least have those 15 practices to work with Cohen this spring. But like in your mind, how do you like see that situation playing out? Because to me, that's kind of a fascinating element of all this. It is. It definitely extends the quarterback battle into the fall, in my opinion. I mean, you're not going to bring this kid in and not let him compete for it. Right. I mean, if he's not going to be there until summer and fall, uh, Derek, I don't. Did you mention this at the beginning? Because I was looking at my phone, but he actually made some appearances in 2019 too, uh, late in the season against Ohio State in that close yeah. loss they had. He threw. He was six of eleven in that game, and then against Rutgers was eight of fourteen with a touchdown pass. So I mean, he has some experience against really quality, uh, you know, football opponents. Um, I will say this, Derek. We've been on this push that Bo Allen was going to be the starting quarterback. I, I think that you and I both have agreed for, yeah. not, not just in the since Liam Cohen's been announced, but for months. Uh, does this change things a little bit in your eyes? Like, does do we press pause a little bit and kind of just sit back and say, well, let's see how this shakes out? It does. Um, I, I still feel like Bo will have, a, will have an opportunity to me, and I mean, this might be foolish to say before we even get to spring ball, like to me, Gatewood's probably the one on the outside looking in. Um, maybe this isn't fair towards Gatewood, but I wanted to get your opinion on it because obviously people who have listened to this podcast from the start, I mean, I was on the train saying he should play Joey for midseason on. I think you would agree with that. But should we have taken anything from the fact that he couldn't really get more reps over Terry, or do we just look at the old staff that was in place and say, you know, they wanted to try to win as many games as possible and they felt like Terry was just the best option. Like how do we evaluate that situation last year with Joey? It definitely complicates it because I feel like the staff that was in place felt a, I think they felt like they owed it to Terry with everything that Terry had done for the program, the injury coming back, the, the type of year that it was with COVID and everything that you were battling through. I, I think it's mixed to me. It, it is concerning that he wasn't able, after he played that game against Georgia, to not kind of take the reins and just ride out the rest of the yeah. season, given the, the situation. But I don't know. I and I, A couple of people actually asked me, like, why why haven't we mentioned Joey Gatewood as winning the job? Like, why, haven't, why are we so high on Bo Allen? I think that it just comes down to me, Derek, that, just a change in what they're wanting to do and just looking at the two styles. I just feel like Bo Allen 
is what they're wanting to do offensively. I think it's what the fans are wanting to see the program do offensively. But that doesn't discredit that Joey Gatewood doesn't have an opportunity. If he goes out there and kills it, I mean, I think Kentucky fans would be fine if Joey Gatewood's the guy out there making plays as long as he's making plays. I think everybody's reached the point in the Mark Stoops era that you just want to see somebody back there be productive, Yeah, it, <laughs> no it, matter it, who it is. In any capacity. Um, but the, the yeah. thing that when you watch Levis, though, on his tape, that's some of the best arm strength I've seen from a quarterback coming into UK. Like, just the flick of the – I mean, it's incredible. That tape is incredible with some of the throws that he makes. Yeah. I don't know how to say their Penn State's offensive coordinator, his name. It's Kirk CSR or something. I'm I'm totally butchering that name. He got fired after one year. But he – I read some quotes from some Penn State people, and I read a quote from, from that old offensive coordinator, and he said he's got the best arm strength of any kid he's coached. And I don't know off the top of my head where that coach has been or who else he has worked with, but still a pretty strong statement from an offensive coordinator to say that. I mean, Big time. James Franklin, uh, and it is what it is. You know, it's a head coach. You would support posi- or expect positive comments towards his own players, so take it for what it's worth. But he was saying he, he thought that just last month, he was saying he thought that Will Levis is a very bright future and a lot of potential. So what's interesting to me and – Kentucky will be transitioning to a more pro-style offense. We all expect that. Will there still be shotgun? Absolutely. You'll still see a lot of that, but you will see more under-the-center type things. Anybody who has concerns about Kentucky adding a guy who is primarily a running quarterback, like I think that is legitimate. I've wondered that myself. Like, How does he fit in? He's not a slam dunk in terms of like there's not a huge track record with him. Like He's played in several games over the last two years, but in terms of throwing the ball, like he's not had many opportunities to work as the number one quarterback. I doubt he's had any practices where he just really got almost all the reps. What kind of makes me think, personally, I would give Levis a slight favorite, even though he's not going to be here this spring. And the reason I say that is Cohen is the only guy as of now, Mark Stoops and maybe some of the other staff members, like, and his he knows what he wants this offense to look like. He's had an opportunity to review Bo Allen's film from last year in practice and in the limited time he was in a game. And he's had an opportunity to view Joey Gatewood. And he is still, he's been very, I think he was very eager to add Will Levis to the room. And that tells me that if Cohen knows what he wants the most and he pushed hard for this kid, in my mind, that tells me that that's probably who he wants to be the guy or maybe who he thinks needs to be the guy. It makes sense. But I still think those other guys will get an opportunity for it, sure. It's definitely not just a plug and fill. It's not something that you just go get for depth. This this wasn't – I don't think that's yeah. what it was. I think it was more to bring in someone to compete for the job. Uh, two, one thing that should be noted too, Derek, when it comes down to being in a college football program, being in a weight room consistently for a few years, I mean, his body's going to be more ready. Not more ready than Joey Gatewood, but if you're looking at a comparison between him and Bo Allen, I think that was one of the things, too, why you didn't want to throw Bo out there in the final four or five games of the season just because, like, is he was he physically yeah. ready to go out there and take some blows? But Levis definitely adds uh, an interesting note to the, to the offseason. I mean, we're kind of going to be watching this – uh, we'll actually have a quarterback battle. Like it'll be to me, I really intrigued by all three options. And two, I, I don't want to rot off Joey Gatewood because I want to see if if it's different under new leadership on offense. Yeah. Like was Kentucky was Joey Gatewood's struggles, even Terry's. Was it due to what they were trying to do offensively? Was it due to lack of talent at wide receiver? 
or was it is it the system? I don't know. Or was it the quarterback? I, we'll have all those questions answered. There's like if it have if those same issues are there under Cohen, then you can kind of chalk it up to what it is. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. That is important to note. I mean, maybe you, you hear it sometimes with pitchers, or at least you used to in baseball, where maybe a pitcher would kind of struggle through some places. He would make it to the big leagues, but maybe didn't have great success, then ends up with a team and has a certain pitching coach, and all of a sudden it clicks. Maybe that's the case for, for Joey Gatewood with, with Liam Cohen. Maybe Cohen finds a way to kind of get all of his physical potential out of him. Um That'll be good to follow. And, I mean, those two guys are going to be the ones who dominate the headlines. I mean, Nick Scalzo's still going to be there. Kaya Sharon's still going to be there. Don't see any way, especially with Levis coming in, that either of those guys win the job. But I think you probably will see some kind of pecking order established after spring. I'd say there's no way they're going to name a starter mm. after spring. I mean, it's just Will Levis didn't commit here to, so they can name a starter after spring, you know, uh, for <laughs> before he even got a chance. And for transfer yeah. purposes, too. You don't want to lose Joey Gatewood during right. the summer or something like that. I mean, you want to give it a fair shake and probably don't name a starter until a few weeks into fall camp, maybe the week leading up to the season. Who knows? Like that was Yeah, that was the case with Terry Wilson. They waited all the way up until Central Michigan game week. They named him on that Monday. It had come out, and it started to trickle out that he had performed better than Gunnar Hoke in some of those scrimmages and – I think we all expected Terry would be the guy, but it was up until that final week with Levis and those guys. I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't know how they'll handle it this year, but um, it is going to be a really fascinating situation to watch. And one thing ahead. we can say: the Big Ten was kind to Kentucky in the transfer portal, right? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> like, Three I mean, guys. very kind. Not just, uh, not just one, not two. I mean, big time schools you know uh distributing talent to kentucky and that's the that's the thing that we were talking about derek when this whole transfer rule and stuff with the whole last 12 months we've been talking about this how it's going to impact every team in college football it negatively and positively i mean you're going to lose kids to other programs you're going to gain kids I, that's why yeah it's, it's you can look at things and it can be solved a lot sooner than what you thought it what it would have been in the past because you can go get experience at positions now it's not like you have to go get high school kids and develop them. You can go get developed talent if you just play yeah. your cards right and kind of wait for it to happen. Well, speaking of the transfer portal, thank you for saying that because it reminded me of a point. More so I wanted to ask you your opinion on it. Obviously, the transfer portal is always ramping up now. Like, There's really not been a downtime, it seems like, for the transfer portal. But a period you can expect to really crank back up again is going to be after spring ball. Uh, you'll have a lot of. I think for UK, most of its attrition will come after spring. I think, you know, when they have to make room or whatever, and some kids will, especially with this offense, you get some guys who go through spring ball with Liam Cohen. They'll kind of see where they fit, if they might need to move on, things like that. But let's let's apply that to the Levis situation. If Kentucky felt like it needed another quarterback, regardless, and it still chose to take Levis now when they knew he wouldn't even be here this spring, instead of waiting. Um, to see what the options might have been after spring. To me, that even further states that, like, Cohen very, very, very much wanted this kid. That's a good point. Yeah, because they could have easily waited the spring with Cohen, looking at all these quarterbacks, and then say, okay, who can – do we need to go get? Like they did with Sawyer Smith a couple of years ago. He, yeah. he was a spring addition after the spring. Uh, that's, that's a very good point. 
Derek. I, I think that definitely now it kind of makes Levis seem like he will be the front runner, the guy that they think in their mind going to this. And two, how much do you think that this is a sign too that Mark Stoops has kind of just allowed Cohen to kind of have some control exactly. over what exactly he wants? Like you know, Bo Allen's the the guy. Like Bo Allen's the in-state kid that you're grooming to kind of lead you into the future. But then Cohen might have been like, hey, look, that's that's great. That's what we have. But how do we bridge that? You know, or is, is there someone who can is ready to kind of make this program be more successful right away? And I think that that I think that's a sign that Mark Stoops does has given Liam Cohen some, you know, kind of say so on exactly what's going on. You, that's what you'd hope to see. Right. It's a really good point. Yeah, totally agree. That's what you'd want to see. I mean, I have a pretty, I have it on pretty good authority that they were like pitching Bo Allen to recruits. Um, in this class, you know, talking about changing the offense, having a, a more pure passer like Joe, or uh, sorry, like Bo Allen. You had Mark Stoops after the Vanderbilt game talking about how important he thought it was for the program that they could show a guy. Just the like throw Bo down Allen. the sideline was a big deal, even though it wasn't yeah. completed, right? <laughs> yeah. But, and then it comes to a point where, you know, Stoops wants to make a change. And with that, you get a, a new coordinator in here who, maybe thinks physically Bo's not quite ready yet. And, I mean, if you stood next to Bo Allen, if anybody's ever been around him, like, he is, you know, a bit of a – he's the kind of guy – like, he just looks young. He really does. I mean, I yeah. think he's only 19. Like, he, he kind of looks like he's just 19. He's a guy that two years from now, you know, by the time he's been in a, in a weight room in college for a few years, like, he will look, you know, much more physically ready than maybe what he is right now. I think he's got to find a way to add some more weight. Mm-hmm. And if you're not 100% sure that he's the guy – with that kind of development, I mean, it's very important that you probably don't rush someone into this and, and maybe curb their development more. I believe Cohen sees this as a situation that he's familiar with Will, with Will Levis, his contacts in the Northeast. I'm sure really talked up the kid. Uh, I think he thinks Levis has the arm to make every throw that's necessary in this offense. And if you are not 100% sure that Bo is ready or that maybe Gatewood won't be either, I think it makes a lot of sense to add someone else into the room. Now, with all that said, I don't think Levis is a surefire going to be an upgrade. Like, I think he's got the potential to be for sure, but he's not shown enough in his time at Penn State for me to just you know no. give him that benefit of the doubt. So it'll be interesting to see. Cohen's at his work cut out, I think. I mean, I think he has talent, especially if you're looking on paper. You're talking about a former Under Armour All-American and Joey Gatewood. You're talking about a former, depending on which website you went to, four-star recruiting Bo Allen. And then a kid like Will Levis, who had offers from Penn State, Florida State, North Carolina, a bunch of schools. The one that thing, wanted him high school. The one thing you look at though is he gets the ball out of his hands quick. Yeah, and that's encouraging, especially with what Cohen's want, wanting to do offensively with some of these weapons that Kentucky has, the Wondell Robinsons, you know, the Josh Ali's, the tight ends, and Keaton Upshaw. Get the ball out of your hands quick, and that's that's what he can do. Uh, but I'm with you. We obviously we got to wait and see exactly whether or not if it is an upgrade. I do think it's big too, Derek. Just so you don't get in a situation like happened a couple of years ago where they're just just battered with injuries and then you don't have options. I just think that that is uh, the big-time thing. that, Other than just adding talent, you add another option. Because let's say with the transfer portal, who who's to say, like let's say Bo Allen would have been named the starting quarterback in August. What does Joey yeah. Gatewood decide to do? Is he sticking around and giving it a chance, or is he hitting the portal? like Or vice versa for someone. I don't know. I, I think that's the big thing, too, is it adds another option for you to kind of navigate that situation. I mean, every coach is navigating the same situation now in all the college sports. Absolutely. 
I mean, that's quarterback, especially under Kentucky. We've seen it has been a very, <laughs> been a very fickle position yeah. for Kentucky. I mean, you go from a spot, you know, it's been kind of an issue the whole Stoops era. I mean, multiple years. You had Stephen Johnson, um, a last second Juco addition to back up uh, Drew Barker after Patrick Tolles transferred. The next year you have, or not the next year, but a few years later with Terry Wilson, whenever it becomes clear that he's going to be the guy over Gunnar Hoke, well, Hoke decides to leave. You have to fill in a kid like, uh, uh, sorry, Sawyer Smith, last second. And now, you know, you're right. Had they not added Levis or added somebody else, you could have been in a spot that you could have been left with. Bo Allen, and then potentially left with Wondell Robinson. Wondell Robinson well, taking snaps like Lynn Bowden, like not what he's come to Kentucky to do. <laughs> also, let's make a point. I mean, for Liam Cohen, I've been in the NFL for three years. With some of these transfers, I know in particular Wondell. I mean, Vince Merrill got a lot of credit for that, as he should have. I know that that will. Uh, sorry that Liam Cohen played a role in getting him here, and I, I would say Liam Cohen's the direct reason. Will Levis is coming here. So they're not high school kids, but that is two transfers that he's played a role in helping get here. And I think that says something about those are two kids right there who were in pretty good situations. Levis, I mean, maybe a little different because he wasn't going to be the starter, but of course, Wondell was for sure going to be. And Cohen's in Lexington now, right? He is. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah. So that's, I mean, he's not been here long, though. So that's, that's a couple a weeks. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. So you, I mean, look yeah, what he's got been kids able to believing do. in him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing is that that's what you needed. That's why it was so important to make a change. And like we went through this in December when we talked about Eddie Grant and all that. That you know it was difficult for Stoops to make that decision, but it was a decision that he actually had to make. And you already see it paying off and stuff. Like you had to move your program forward. And uh, certainly, I mean they've they had a very successful week, Derek. Yeah. Let me uh, before we wrap this one up. Let me read some things. Uh, from our Penn State rider. This was this was before he ever committed to Kentucky. So this was not him just texting me and saying, you know, just really blowing this kid up just because he felt like it would sound good. Like he was saying this the night Levis went to the portal before it was decided where he was going. But he said he's a really smart, competitive, and likable kid. Uh, he said he thinks he'll have a chance for success elsewhere. So going into the fact that, you know, he didn't know he was going to UK at that point. He said he does not think he's a carry-the-team type quarterback, but that his best days are ahead of him. So I asked uh, – this guy's name is Tyler Donahue, who works for our Penn State site. So I asked him – because I had that question when I watched that film. I thought, you know, this, this guy is not being used in a pro-style offense right now, and he's mostly a runner. So, like, how do you see him fitting into a more pro-style offense? And he said, he, he said I think he could fit – I think he could be a pro-style guy, but we just haven't had a chance to see it. And uh, I do wonder if he'd be too quick to take off with his legs, but, again, based on sample size, it's hard to know. So going along more, like most people on this kid, they agree he's got some physical tools to to do whatever's necessary in any offense, but we just don't know yet. No, that's uh, definitely have to wait and see exactly how this plays out. But it and uh, Sean, I looked exciting. up last last second, and it looks like Missouri's going to blow this game to Alabama. I don't know if you're watching. Well, when you and I sit down sat down to record <laughs> this, I was actually wondering, am I going to go back in the living room and find out that they've lost this game? So uh, it won't uh, surprise me if I walk in there. By the way, uh, I won't be at Rupp tonight for that game, but I will be back in person covering games on Tuesday night against Arkansas. So after uh, my long layoff for two weeks, I will be returning. So you hold it down for me tonight. I will. Let's just let's just go ahead and throw it out there. We got a couple more minutes left. Just uh, what, what do you think? You think the Cats can rise up tonight and 
Because you got well, those people down in Knoxville, Sean. I mean, they're throwing out that record already. Rick Barnes, seven and five. Well, we Kentucky at Tennessee on the mailbag episode at the end. I asked you. I said we're not picking Kentucky to win this game, right? And ever since I said that, I was sitting there this morning, like, why do I just have a weird feeling that this might be the one that they find a way to win? But I don't. I'm not confident enough to pick Kentucky to win. I think. Uh, I think it'd actually be kind of crazy to pick them to win, given the way that they've just unraveled in the final four minutes of games the last couple of weeks. But I guess what I'm trying to say is if they did win it, it wouldn't shock me, but I'm not going to, I don't have the confidence to pick it. Like it just, yeah. I just, if Tennessee struggles to score the way that they've been struggling to score, this is going to be a very ugly basketball game. I'm talking like 54 to 53 or 54 to 50, like just awful basketball. But if Tennessee scores, I I could see Tennessee winning this game by 15 plus. Yeah, you would think it doesn't – it's probably not a very good omen for Kentucky that um, Tennessee is the number one ranked defense in the country. No. And Kentucky can't really score even against bad teams. Or maybe – shouldn't say bad. Well, there have been some situations against bad teams where they couldn't score, looking at Georgia. Uh, but you never know. I mean, you never know, Sean. This is a big game. I mean, it's a rivalry game. I think these kids at Kentucky want to prove that you know, they're better than what they've shown this year. That's why I wouldn't just chalk it up as for sure thinking they're going to lose. But I'm with you. Like, it's hard to sit here and pick them to win, given that they've not really shown us a reason as to why uh, we should pick them. But who knows? Like you said, they got Arkansas. It's another tough game on Tuesday. I believe Arkansas is pushing the top 25 in Ken Palm. So if you're uh, – I'll be interested to see the numbers, uh, the download numbers on this episode, though, Sean, to see kind of what people are thinking about football. To, because it's, it is a college basketball game day. But I'll be it curious is. to see how many people tune in and want to listen to this. Because, I mean, it is a quarterback spot. It's going to be the most, the most discussed spot for sure for the next, I don't know, what, six, six seven months before they name a starter? It, yeah, uh, it'll, it'll be a while before they name a starter for sure. I'm trying to, to find something here. See if I can find it uh, before I read this Butcher's Pub ad. I know that they're uh, they're watching the games. Let me see here. All right. So the Butcher's Pub, we've been plugging this for, what, a week now that they they have a new location opening. I'm trying mm-hmm. to see if he'll text me back and give me the exact date, but he isn't getting back to me. So as soon as that happens, uh, Derek, I'll get that out there. I was going to talk to him and see what he thought about the possibility if you're down in Corbin one day, if we stop and do something, maybe even before they open officially, just from the new facility, maybe do like a Twitter Periscope type thing and yeah. show what the new place is going to look like and stuff. But you've, if you, since that one's not open, there are two locations that are open, one in Williamsburg right on down I-75, and then there's one in Pineville if you get off right there in Corbin and come down 25. Or if you're in that area, you can get out there to tonight and watch Kentucky and Tennessee and then tomorrow night, too, for the Super Bowl. It's kind of kind of hard to believe that we've made it to this point, that we're, we're actually going to have a Super Bowl and crown an NFL champion in a pandemic year. Crowned a champion in college football uh, and all that, so it looks like we're going to make it through it, Derek. But two locations, you can visit thebutcherspub.com, or you can check them out on Facebook. Uh, Derek, I, I did not go get that buffalo chicken sandwich last night. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, uh, but... I believe I will stop and get one this afternoon. That sounds good, Sean. Sounds good. It looks like Missouri might hold on against Alabama. Pretty wild finish here in SEC basketball. By the way, 
Reed Shepard might be the hottest name in the state of Kentucky right now, and he dropped 54 on your Red Hounds last night. Well, the most surprising thing to me is I saw their quarterback kept it with an eight. I believe the Red Hounds have had a – and I probably – I don't really know. I've not kept up with it a ton. I've not really kept up with basketball a whole lot. It's just a little bit harder, too, I think, than football. But um, I know Corbin has taken much bigger losses than just eight points, so I was happy to see that the Red Hounds battled and had a chance against uh, – I'll tell you, Reed Shepard in the 13th region, I mean, you know that region well as well as I do. That is uh, – sounds like a bit unfair. <laughs> Maybe uh, – It'll be a lot to handle the next two years for teams down there. I mean, North Laurel, with that kind of talent, should be able to coast, I would think, to some region titles. But I would guess one way or the other, Sean, whether he ends up at Kentucky or not, he is going to be a very, very, very heavily discussed kid the next uh, couple of years. He is. And I actually tweeted out this morning, I said, even I will be disappointed if he doesn't end up in Kentucky blue. But I don't think that's a given. And we're still a long ways away from that playing out. But I will tell you this, that kid, he's not going to be a three-star that kid will rise to five-star, high four-star level uh, potential with a normal summer circuit. That kid is that good. Yeah. And have you seen the, the lines. have you seen the pictures of him compared to his dad? They both cross their ankles when they dunk. It's yeah, the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it literally looks like Jeff out there playing. But uh, I'm definitely going to get the North Laurel pretty soon uh, and watch watch Reed and watch that team. That team might win the state tournament, Derek. The way that they're playing right now. I mean, they're putting up like 90 points. <laughs> 54, I mean, multiple as a sophomore, multiple 50-point games. I mean, yeah. I don't know what the scoring record is, but he's got to be – If you, I mean, on this kind of pace, he's got to be close to at least – you would think he'd be within range, right, by and the he, time he graduates? And he can't win master, Mr. Basketball as a sophomore. Is it only for seniors? I think it's upper – I think it's juniors and seniors. You can be added to the ballot, if I'm not mistaken, but – so I think kind of like time, a silly rule. I think it's time to kind of cross that out there and somebody put him on a ballot because uh, he, he might be the best player in the state. But that'll be something I'm sure we'll be talking about and cover the next couple of years is uh, Reed Shepard because right now Kentucky fans and fans in general around Kentucky are just uh, following that name. Uh, but we'll be back to recap exactly what happens at Rupp Arena night between Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, we've been saying this for weeks, uh, months actually. It's a must-win game for Kentucky. <laughs> but uh, – well, we'll see if uh, it's any different than what it has been in recent weeks. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.